1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Calvin Bassey is linked with Ajax and Brighton. Ange Postacoglu says pre-season has been perfect for Celtic so far and Kane Woolery leaves Motherwell for Turkey. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mark Wilson. Yeah, only two weeks to go or just over two weeks to go to be kick off with a brand new season and the teams are ramping up their pre-season preparations. Celtic and Rangers both got three games left and probably staring their tests to come for them before Ange Postacoglu and Van Brom can pick their starting 11 for that opening weekend fixture list and players still coming through the door Rangers been busy this week Celtic still being linked with players interesting week ahead and of course you mentioned Bassey a talking point all throughout the summer we're hearing rumours of a couple of clubs interested will they have the money to stump up to tempt Rangers and to sign them eh, let them go yeah it had been a bit quiet on the Bassey front it was one that I thought was going to dominate the summer with the, all the transfer talk it had gone a bit quiet for a few weeks there was a lot of links right after the Scottish Cup final and Europa League final but it looks as if it's certainly hotting up a bit more today well as the names we've heard Ajax and Brighton I mean you know Brighton selling a couple of players worth a lot of money Ajax pretty similar selling players to, to Man United and it opens the door two clubs with plenty to spend but I feel it'll take a lot of money to prize Bassey away from Rangers and Rangers are in a pretty strong position just now that they can hold out um, for a, a big fee um, I just wonder how that will progress now there's only two weeks to go before the season kicks off and Bronckhurst and my mind will probably have it that Bassey is part of that team that will line up against Livy but things can happen so quickly in this part of the world and if one of those sides pitches a decent offer maybe 10 plus million then you could find that Bassey has gone before that Livy game. Yeah, well, a simple question for you Rangers fans out there. What price do you think would need to be met for Calvin Bassey to leave? Should he leave this summer at all? We want to hear from you. 01419511025. Maybe there's something else on your mind for fans of other clubs. If it's your pre-season schedule, if it's you know League Cup fixtures, anything you want to talk about. 01419511025. We also saw Celtic in pre-season action yesterday. It didn't really look like a friendly at all no. either because it was Banica Strava's 100 anniversary they had a full crowd there there was the uh, there was the ticker tape there was flares there was all sorts going on but Ange Postacoglu was saying you know what that's exactly what he's looking for from a pre-season yeah. game because it didn't have the feel of you know maybe a, a slow friendly that yeah. sometimes you see I think most managers would uh, would want that throughout pre-season I don't think there's many managers at all or many players for that fact that enjoy pre-season games I never did I, I never enjoyed into a game, none there was nothing on the line where you know a half full stadium that weren't they really up for it because they knew it was about fitness. I loved going to games, pre season games in particular, that were firing, meant something. I was lucky enough to play in a couple. I always remember one against Lega Warsaw. It's quite funny that Celtic played them next week, but we went there and it was similar to the game last night. There was colour, there was atmosphere. Um, you know there was banners everywhere and you felt that it was a real competitive edge and I think players get more out of games like that than they do the run of the mill play for 45 minutes make loads of substitutes the next group come on and the game goes a bit tame 
managers and players like it and I'm sure Ange Postacoglu would have found out more about his team last night than he would have the other couple of games let's hear from you at home 01419511025 Bill as a Celtic fan up first in Jordan Hill Bill what are you thinking tonight? Uh, I think it's two points uh, the first one is that Celtic have been frantically searching for someone to win the ball in the midfield uh, and sort of protect the back two and I think that man is already there but I don't think he's been played in the right position I think Stephen Welsh would be the ideal man for that position I don't think he's really going to make it at Celtic as a centre half but I think in that position I think he could make that position his own for some time well, well, Marcus, if Kama scored last night if that had been during the season that would have been one of the goals of the season yeah, well, I'll put that point to Mark. It's, it's one that I've not heard before. Mm. Uh, I know that fans like to come up with these ideas if they see a player and think, you know what, they could possibly play in, in that position. Is Stephen Welsh as a sort of central defensive midfielder a move you could see? I've never seen it myself personally. I, I'm curious to know why Bill would think that or the attributes, why you would think he would slot in there. Bill, it's a very different position to play in centre-half. Uh, I don't. First and foremost, I don't think he'll make it at Celtic as a first choice centre half. Uh, I think he can win the ball in the midfield. You know, he's uh, he's got the ability to win the header in the midfield. Um, he's very, very strong in the tackle, uh, and he can pass a ball as well. I just think that he's wasted trying to play him as a centre half. Is that the type of player that Ange Postecoglou is looking for in that position, Mark? Because he's not really drafted in anyone for that position we have seen McCarthy and Edaguchi but they've not really played too much football Callum McGregor was the mainstay in that position and he's quite different from what Bill is yeah. describing Stephen Welsh as I think so I think they need someone to I, I keep saying it just to lighten the load from McGregor but when it comes to the the big European games that are coming up you know having someone in there alongside McGregor who can break up play but also keep the ball it's so important on the big stage, the European stage. And I was lucky enough to play again with some top players in that position who played as a partnership um, and could break up play but keep possession. And I just think Celtic going forward are magnificent. You, you can't see anything different. Even look at them in pre-season. The amount of goals they're scoring are brilliant. But when it comes the opposite way, I watched some of those the Europa League games and conference games last season when Celtic were involved against higher opposition and I just felt that that area of the pitch was badly exposed. One player cannot cover that amount of ground and I just thought it was so open. Now I think Celtic needs someone in there for those games alongside McGregor. So is that, that a case of sacrificing one of the two sort of number eights, more attacking midfielders, I, whether it's Turnbull, yeah. Hatati, O'Reilly, maybe taking one of them out and putting in a, a new defensive midfielder alongside Callum McGregor I think in certain games you're going to need that now particularly away from home I, and I get Ange Postecoglou uh, and the Celtic fans loving the way they play away from home I mean some of the games Betis away and Leverkusen it looked brilliant but you cannot deny that they were picked off at the other end and if I was playing that position and the, next, the nearest midfielder to me was 15 to 20 yards away then I'd be saying, what is going on here? Come on, give me a hand. So I just think for those bigger games, you need someone with a bit of stature, bit of physique, but who can handle the ball and break up playing. <laughs> That's a list that probably, if you add all that up, it'll probably get you a £20 million player. But, you know, Ange Postecoglou found James before, so I wonder if he's 
if he's got someone like that on his radar just to help McGregor in that position. Yeah, Bill, people have talked about Ange Postacoglu, his first venture into the Champions League group stages. Do you think he'll you know, stay true to the style of football that he's shown in the last season or do you think there'll maybe be sort of tweaks here and there going in when you know, you're up against higher quality European opposition? He seems, certainly seems to be someone who'll stick to his guns. Um, but I think to play as expansive a game as we have been playing, especially during last season, uh, he'll need to make some minor adjustments to the team. And I think the key area, as I say, is a good holding midfield player. Somebody who can win the ball, who's up for a challenge, who's got pace, not necessarily pace to burn, but he's got pace. And if he does that and shuts the door at the back, brilliant. The rest of the team can go on with it. We've had this debate before about another Celtic manager, Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about the fact that he didn't really change his style too much when Celtic went into the Champions League group stages and they, they took a few sore ones, they took yeah. some heavy defeats. Is that something you think Ange Postacoglu can learn from? Will he look at that at all? Or do you think he's just going in there with his own mindset, knowing exactly what he wants to do? Well, I think Ange Postacoglu is a very smart guy. I think he's always learning. I don't think he ever thinks he's a finished article. So it's only recent history. He has to look back and see... How attractive Brendan Rodgers side played it. It was a breath of fresh air when he came to Scotland, but I was found out in the European stage and on the biggest European stage, Champions League. You're right, took a couple of Saurians. And Postecoglou won't want that. Uh, you know, as much as he wants to stick to his guns, he won't want it. I think Bill hit the nail on the head there when he said minor adjustments. I don't think there's any need for major adjustments, but just a couple of wee things to help that back four because. It's a back four in the goalie that gets it in the neck for the newspaper, the fans. We've conceded three goals again, four goals again. Well, the back four can't be responsible for that. It's a team effort. It's the guys in front who protect the back four. And I feel that the team just needs that wee bit more protection in these bigger games. Well, you mentioned that friendly yesterday evening against Banach Ostrava. What did you like? What stood out to you? Hey. Obviously, the the attacking play was something else. Um, defensively, we were a bit open at the back. I think when young Lowell came on uh, at centre half, he was caught a wee bit, uh, caught a bit in the headlights. You know, um, the guy ran past him, and then Lowell was almost as if he, he just didn't know what to do. He's a good young player, but he obviously needs to get up to pace to the level of the the rest of the players. But if I can just go back to my point on Stephen Welsh, yep. we've got three friendlies coming up. Why not play him in that position and find out if he's got the ability to play there? Do you think if Ange Postacoglu thought Stephen Welsh was going to be the next big thing as a central defensive midfielder, Mark, that he would have already done it? Yeah, I believe so. I think there's been plenty of opportunity to play him in there. There's been plenty of time um, to try it and train him. Even the the problem with the, if you're talking about Stephen Welsh getting in there The problem is he's he, he's got a whole host of midfielders anyway That Ange Postacoglu doesn't really stray for You know they, they kind of moved them about McGregor if he's out they'll maybe drop somebody else deeper McCarthy who kind of get a game Adiguchi as well So he's got a queue in front of him Whether those couple are good enough to, to play in the big games Then that's a different question But I just kind of see Welsh getting in there And making it as a first choice centre or half for Celtic Well... He's played an awful lot of games for a young man already So I think he can be quite pleased With his performances so far I still think Ange Postacoglu Will probably sign another centre half I heard Roger speaking last night mm-hmm. about it. And if you're Julian and you're 
Toyin we get out the door and injury problems behind you and you're Starfield injured, then you cannot rely. Uh, you've lost Piton, of course. You can't just rely on two centre-halves. So I think Postacoglu will be in the lookout for another. I know there's only so much you can read into when it comes to pre-season. Celtic have played three games. They've scored 14 goals. There's no problem at that end of the pitch. They've conceded five goals in their last couple of games. As you say, Carl Starfelt is out. Yeah. He was a huge part of Celtic's defence last season. But then you look beyond that, as you say, Stephen Welsh, Christopher Julian, who was nearly out the door two weeks ago. Yeah. Boson Lowell, the, the young centre-back that Bill was talking about, he came on as well. I think as soon as Julian and, and Lowell came on and replaced Carter Vickers and Welsh, Celtic conceded almost immediately. But th- those will be the things that Ange Postacog will be looking at in pre-season. He will, um, particularly when Beton's away as well, because you, you've got to remember that Beton, although he, he found himself on the bench a lot last season, he was always the safety net. Just if anything happened, he would come in there and he would slot in fine. The Celtic don't have that luxury. No, so, I, I don't think he'll be too worried just now at the, the amount of goals they're losing. It's pre-season, people are rusty, everybody gets that. I used to be, <laughs> listen, I was famous for playing in pre-season games full of defence. <laughs> I lost so many goals, so I know what it's like. But when you look at the big picture, is that backup strong enough to challenge and push Starfield and Carter Vickers? I don't think it is. I think you need someone else assured who are going to push them all the way and be a sound backup. Well, thank you to Bill. 01419511025 on the phones. Thomas is a Celtic fan up next in East Kilbride. Thomas, what did you make of that friendly one yesterday? Absolutely brilliant. Just, uh, just uh, I say to your colleague, I just I hope Celtic keeps up the, the performance. They don't drop it down any. And again, uh, the, uh, the league performance yeah because Celtic have been scoring loads of goals in pre-season Mark that game in particular is, is one you can probably look at and maybe take more evidence from just given the, the factors around it that it seemed like more of a friendly just given the atmosphere Ange Postacoglu yeah. talked about that after the game said he preferred that and he, he described it as a perfect environment for Celtic to be in you talked about the Ligia Warsaw friendly that you played in that didn't feel like yeah. a friendly that'll be another bonus for Celtic because they're going to play Ligia Warsaw next week as of well of course uh, players players prefer this it gives you a real taste of what to expect now the season isn't that far away I think Celtic's pre-season programme has been designed well this year and I've been critical in the past I've been critical <laughs> listen some of the ones I was there for I was critical when I was getting flown all around the world and you know by the time you get back to Scotland and you've got uh, a game on the Wednesday night um, and uh, your last friendly and you're right in it on the Saturday you feel knackered I think they've done it well I think they've built these games up fine bit of atmosphere in the crowd they'll get the same next Wednesday they've got obviously Blackburn at the weekend then they finish it off with Norwich good test getting ready for Aberdeen and the players all have sufficient enough minutes he made was it was it 10 changes or something at half time mm-hmm. the other night um, so the players will be up to speed but come, I think, after the Legia Warsaw game, going into that Norwich game, Ange Postacoglu will have a fair idea who he's starting to live in as for Aberdeen the following week. Thomas, were there any players in particular that impressed you? Just uh, a couple of uh, a wee Japanese guy, uh, player, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Kyogo. Kyogo. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Just... Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Kyogo scored plenty of goals last season. Obviously, had three months out injured, still scored 20 yeah. goals last season. Mark, when he came back from that injury, I think he got four goals in seven games. So he hit the ground running then. He scored a couple in pre season already. And that'll delight Celtic fans because he's already oh. such a fan's favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting, I think, about Kyogo is I think there'll be some fans, you know, desperate to see how he takes a second season. Um, because there's no doubt about it, it was it was extraordinary last year. Just everything about him, you know, not even his goals. Take his goals away for it, but his movement, the the manner he held himself in, the way the fans took to him, that he took to the fans, and the fans, of course, like any fans, will want even more this year. So when he comes back for pre season, people may be wondering, listen, is he going to be a slow starter? Will it build into it? But you can quickly see in pre season that he's. Right back at it Right away And that's a that's a great sign When your striker Gets into a habit Of scoring goals In the league Then goes in the cold season But they come right back In pre-season And start banging them in again That's a great sign You know Just an, a natural goal scorer So It's looking good in that front It's the rest That will need to pitch in Run about them And it looks again Going forward Looks like there's no problem in that Jack Amakis came off the bench Scored a pretty spectacular Bicycle kick yeah. That I think came off The underside of the bar He in Kyogo's absence Sean scored plenty of goals There's not been a sort of True battle Between the two of them For a starting spot Just given the, the way The season worked out Jakimakis had a slow start Then Came to the fore When Kyogo got injured And there was a very Short amount of time At the end of the season Where the two of them Were competing How vital is that Battle going to be Between them But also It'll be something That Ange Postacoglu Will surely be looking forward to Having options yeah. of two guys That were proven goal scorers last season Of course It's what every top team needs Competition in every position But particularly In a striker position It's the most important position Right on the pitch There's no doubt about it Scoring goals Hardest thing in the game No doubt about that as well If you've got two guys Pushing each other But at the same time Pushing each other Still scoring 15 to 20 plus a season Then I mean That's a manager's dream Now there's going to be times That one of them is going to be Unhappy and you'll see them sitting on the bench unhappy. Even if that seems impossible with Kyogo. Seems the happiest wee guy in the world. But there'll be times he'll be unhappy that he's not playing. And Jack and Marcus will be similar. As long as they can come off the bench and add to it. It's, I think Celtic fans would love to see two of them play together up front. But I just I just can't see that happening. Maybe Kyogo will play off a side sometimes. But it's a great position. He's never really shown his best when he's played off nah, the side, has nah, he? Nah, not at all. And... Look, the manager was the first one to mention that way back in Ibrox when Edward played through the middle. He says, I got it wrong. And he can fill in there, but he looks a, a shadow of the player he has through the middle. So when it comes to the season opener, and if everybody's fit, I think, no doubt in the manager's mind, Kyogo will start up front, but Jacques is a great backup. Well, thank you to Thomas. After the break, we'll be taking a look at the interest in Calvin Bassey. So give us a call now, 01419511025. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Wilson here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 01419511025 on the phones, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. That's what MJ10 has done. He says, Well, you ask Mark Wilson if he enjoyed and has recovered from the Masters football from last oh, Friday night. Oh, the Masters. Oh, what an event, by the way. They, they did great to put it on. Um, big production behind it. Master Mitzi, when I get asked to play in it, I didn't think it was going to be as big 
is what it was. I or thought. The, or the nerves going when you stepped out there. Right, I'm no joking. Right, <laughs> so <laughs> we all meet at the hotel, Celtic team, Rangers team, and everybody's chatting away, and we got bussed over from the hotel to to the venue, Brayhead, and see as soon as we walked in the venue. Everybody then just separated And you could see the nerves Then we went in the dressing room And a couple of the boys said This is as close to A real match day feeling As if had since they retired And sure enough You could hear the crowd building up And what a You know what a great turnout It was um, Just unfortunate We didn't win a game <laughs> We were so close To winning um, Our games and, and we didn't quite But Most important thing was Andrew I was on the score sheet I think I scored a quarter of our goals. I think you we only scored four. Did you score? That. I've got. What are you saying it that for? Like you're surprised? Oh, not at all. I'm, I'm so used to you scoring all exactly. sorts. Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, Dundee United, Celtic, Dumbarton, sure? <laughs> Celtic Masters. You name it, I've scored from them. Right. Yeah. Who, who was the best then? Who was the best player? Who was there someone that surprised you? Was there a standout? Right. I tell you what. See if there's any any Premiership managers listening into this, which is almost certainly not. But. Luis Garcia for Liverpool He still could still play Hasn't lost still it Still play I, I'm not joking He must have scored about 10 goals One player of the tournament They won the Masters He's about 45 He looks about 25 Has he still got his wee hairband No he, oh, I see he's shaved all that oh, off He looks much better He's iconic Ah but he's a oh, fit lad And we're all You know beer bellies And just Out of shape and That leads me in nicely to Who was the worst thing Go on Who was the worst <laughs> Oh, I can't, I can I possibly. I, I, th- I think you have to go on. I can't possibly name and shame people. They were all pretty decent, by the way. Uh, okay. They were all good. No, you're ju- you just don't want a scrap here, do you? I don't. I don't. I, I could name people. On there that nearly team, was a scrap, was there not? Was uh, our, our summer scoreboard colleague Kenny Miller? Was he <laughs> oh, not? By the way, did you hear about a bit this? feisty? Did you hear about this? I, I heard something. I've not seen the footage of it, unfortunately. Well, uh, by the way, if there's any footage out there, people get it. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny Miller, and Barry Ferguson. We're going at it, I mean, for about five minutes, screaming at each other, right in front of us. We were off. I was loving it. You know, remember that time at school when there was a fight at school? He <laughs> said, This is brilliant. And the two of them. Was that everyone rushing round to gather round? Uh, no, they were just watching them because you're thinking, how, how is this going to go here? And then um, Chris Boyd got to blame it. Barry Ferguson pointed. <laughs> Chris Boyd got to blame it. He just put up his hands and the argument was over. But it was entertaining to watch. I'm sure the crowd loved it. They were all getting. Well refreshed At the same time The crowd So A uh, successful evening All round But Have I recovered? No I'm still in bits Yeah I can see We've, got, still we've, we've pulled up a chair For Mark yeah. tonight Because he's he's still struggling But yes 0141 Let's go straight back To the phone Serge is a Rangers fan Up next Serge What's on your mind tonight? Uh, hello panel uh, Hope you're having a good Summer holiday You too uh, Serge Yeah thanks Just to see we're talking about Calvin Bassey and you're talking about the valuation. Now, Celtic Celt, I can't even fall back by the name of Kieran Tierney, I believe for 25 million a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Now, as much as I like Tierney, did they ever play in a European final, semi-final, quarter-final? Can he play all the way across a back four? Is he a big unit like Bassey? So, realistically, you're talking minimum 25 million for the boy. I, th- I think people would say, Serge, you know, Kieran Tierney is versatile. He can play as part of a back three. He can play as a wing back as well. He didn't play in a, a European final or that late in a European stage, but I think he had won, what was it, four league titles, yeah. about four domestic cups as well. So he did have plenty of experience when he was at Celtic as well. Oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying the boy's not a great player. I'm, I'm praising the boy. But what I'm saying is, if you're talking about, if we're looking at 
pricing people. Right. Well, I'm just I'm just throwing up some statistics for Batty, which surely I mean his price his price must match at least Kieran Tierney's at least, and he's a young boy as well. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get why Rangers fans would see the comparison, all right? Because similar positions, young players, um, and Bassey coming off the back of a European final and interest for down south. But look, Bassey, in my opinion, is a long way from what Kieran Tierney was when he left Celtic. Kieran Tierney, like you said, Andrew, had won title after title, had played, um, had came through under Dyler. Then moved on to Brendan Rodgers, who transformed his game and then played in the, the Champions League, of course. He was an international player for a bit. I know Bassi is as well. But just more rounded player. Now, Bassi has had a terrific season, particularly the back end of the season, where that European run got into the latter stages and he was uh, a colossus in the final, in the both finals, you've got to say. Um, but I just feel he's got a good bit to go before they got to the level that Kieran Tierney went to Arsenal for 25 million It's pretty tough to compare transfer prices because you know there's so many different variables when it comes to contract length of players their age versatility all these different things that, that come with it but you look at the market down south what English teams will pay say for example £20 million pounds for is there a possibility that, that clubs will look at Calvin Bassey and think you know what he is a fit and that is the type of price that we would oh, pay for. Uh, listen, uh, without a doubt, because even even in the time since Kieran Tierney left, I mean, transfer prices have went up again for for what you're getting. Twenty million pounds for a player for an English Premier League team is basically nothing. You see the amount they sell players on for. You see the amount of uh, money they actually give these players in their wages for free transfers. What they're giving them to make up because there's no transfer fee. It is ridiculous. So, would that be at the question for Bassey? Definitely not. If Brighton are getting a load of money for players that they're selling and they've got this huge war chest that they can strengthen their team, I don't think they'll see twenty million as a as a gamble for Bassey. I think they just see it as a normal bit of recruitment for them. Yeah, there is chat as well that they're possibly selling Mark Kukurea for forty five to fifty million pounds. So they certainly won't be short on cash. But Serge. When you look at this transfer window and you look at Calvin Bassey, is he a player that you're desperate for Rangers to keep or do you think that this maybe is the time to sell if the right price comes in? Uh, as I say, I think a minimum would be 25 million to, or I would love to keep him, at least for another season. I do agree with him. He's still a work in progress. But again, I'll reiterate, look at the money that Brighton are selling players for. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're getting they're getting a hell of a good player in the boy Bassey. You know what I mean? He's proved himself. He's uh, all right. He wasn't so much uh, a big player in the league winning title, but he played. He's played a lot of games the last few seasons, and he was the best man playing out of position in a European final. He was man of the match by head and shoulders, better than them doing the park playing at centre half when the boys are left back. Yeah, Mark, it also depends on what the selling club are willing to accept because people may put a valuation on yeah. a player and say, well, he's, he's worth X amount, but there could be an offer less than that, for example, that Rangers think, you know what, we, we yeah. can't turn that down or they might turn around this summer and say, well, you know, we've brought in some money for Joe Rebo, we brought in money for Nathan Patterson in January, they got money for Steven Gerrard, they had their Europa League run and they might think, you know what, we are in a position where we're happy to hold out for a 
higher amount. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say there, it'd be fascinating to see how it actually works behind the scenes. Now, I've been, um, you know, I've been a manager at a very small club. I thought you were going to say speaking as a fullback who had a big money move once. <laughs> 500 grand, I don't think that took much time for anybody to negotiate. But, you know, at boardroom level, at the top level, when clubs contact each other, you're right in saying how much do Rangers actually value it? Not how much Brighton are you know, going to offer or what we're saying or what the papers are saying, 20 million, 25 million. Rangers might have it in their head saying that, look, we'd take 15. Who knows? But um, what I would say that Van Bronckers probably has to be careful when Balogun's away and Helander still got to see a specialist. Suter's in now. I think John Suter's a terrific player, but you look at his record through injury, you just wonder if Van Bronckers would be leaving himself short if he's not already got somebody lined up to come in. So I suppose it's a tough job of a football manager. You know, you understand that there's a risk of Bassey going if the right offer comes in, but you need to have somebody to replace him. You need to give, um, you know, upstairs the green light. Look at Kolak last week. Remember, was it last week or the week before we were on here saying... Will he go and, mm-hmm. the, and the chairman or the manager was on saying I'm not letting him go because I've not got a replacement Same with Bassey So I wonder if Van Bronckers gets the final say in that Before he lets anybody at the door Rangers found themselves in a position this summer Where Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent and Joe Aribo All had or still have two of them One year remaining on their contract Naturally when that happens A player's value decreases Calvin Bassey is at the point where he has two years remaining on his Rangers contract and that's when you really need to start thinking ahead because if you then keep him at the club and it gets to next summer then naturally what happens is a player's value declines if you don't renew their contract is that part of the forward planning Rangers will be considering at the moment as well? It's got to be I mean if he if if Bassey stays at the club uh, and he's starting and the transfer window's shut I mean I'd be very surprised if Rangers don't offer him another extension you know, put another year or two onto that because you're protecting yourself in the future. We've seen it so often with Celtic last season with the guys that left. Um, you're right in saying a rebuild this year. You know, clubs have to protect themselves and if they've got an asset as good as Bassey is just now, people are sniffing around them, then they've got to protect themselves and offer them something else. Well, thank you to Sergio one four one nine five one one zero two five. Let's stick with the phones. Craig is a Rangers fan in Cumbernauld. Craig, first of all, just on this Bassey situation, where do you lie on it? Do you think that it's one that Rangers may need to act on this summer or are you desperate to keep them? Hey, hi, Andrew Mark. Um, I think it depends if you get the right money. I think what Rangers do need to do I think we need to be more sensible with our approach to, you know, when we're selling players because I think we could have got more money for Joe Aribo. I think ten million was an incredibly cheap price actually for Southampton to get him away. And it's not even like ten up front either. It's quite convoluted in how we're getting it. But that all came down to the fact we let his contract run down to a year left and then basically didn't have much option at that stage because if you don't sell them there, it'll just run down and then somebody can sign them for nothing. So we need to stop that and we need to make sure that we're getting the, the appropriate amounts of money. I think £25 million, like, the, like uh, Serge was saying there, you know, as a Rangers fan, of course, you'd love to get £25 million, but I do think the reality is that I think if you get offered, you know, anywhere close to £20 million, Mark, I, I think you take it and then you look at reinvesting that to bring somebody in. Because if you get that £20 million, you could bring in another defender. Um, you know, 
no problem. Um, it's about the quality, of course. But I think Bassey, you know, he's somebody that even after he's gone for Rangers, we can still make money off because I think you make sure you put a, a decent sell-on clause on him, which Celtic have utilised to their advantage exceptionally well over the last few years. When you look at the likes of Van Dyke, for example, getting £7 million for him, we can do similar things. I'm not saying he'll go for that kind of money. What I'm saying is he likely, if he keeps progressing and then does well down south in their inflated market, if they then sell him for double what he's um, what we would sell him for, then you're going to make money off that as well. So, yeah, well, I'll we, put that point to Mark, Craig, and I'll let you come back in because that, that is vital in today's market. We hear about sell-on clauses. We hear about different deals. I think Aberdeen got an extra million pounds for Scott McKenna because Nottingham Forest got promoted to yeah. the Premier League. That is a different type of clause, but this is where clubs really need to be smart in the transfer market. Yep, without a doubt. Craig makes a great point. Um, I mean, gone are the days where a, a, a transfer is just a straight-up fee. I mean, I'd, you'd be hard-pushed to find a deal like that nowadays. Um, so someone like Bassey, who's young, he's right, and he say he goes to Brighton, he's got the, the platform there to play in a league that he could progress. And like Van Dyke went from Southampton to Liverpool, you can see the, the kind of similarities and how that could possibly happen. So it's important that Rangers get that part of the deal right. I mean, incredibly complicated, these contracts, to try and negotiate, but... I was about to say before Craig says, I think this Bassey deal will end up, if he goes that is, with a decent amount of money up front, but the rest made up with clauses. X amount of games, maybe even international stuff in there, and the sell-on clause being a decent chunk of a sell-on clause. I think that will be enough to keep Rangers happy if they're selling. Was there another point you wanted to make, Craig? There was, yeah. Um, I think I spoke to um, yourselves a while back there um, I wasn't at the time wasn't thrilled with the transfer business it was just before COAC in fact it was the day you were just talking about there when the manager at PAOK came out and said they wasn't going to sell him um, you know and I have to say my opinion on that has slightly changed now I think we're, we've seen some decent movement COAC coming in I'm, I was glad we got that over the line because we needed another striker and it seemed to me if we didn't get him I'm not sure what the next option is going to be um, this other signing we've brought in um, Matondo I think again decent winger Oh I think we've lost Craig there I'm not sure what's happened he's uh, he's dropped out but he was talking about the, the business there that Rangers have done Matondo and Cholak but he's talking about how much more relaxed he is now and that's just what happens Rangers yeah. signing three players in a matter of days that will just change the opinions of supporters Yeah People are going to think you've cut him off there for shouting at <laughs> Here he us. is, actually. We'll let him back, back in. I'll let you finish yes. your point, Craig. I was wondering what happened. Don't, don't swear again, Craig. We're going to cut <laughs> you off again. <laughs> um, but no, as I say, so I think like, the Matondo coming in is good. I think that gives us pace. I think obviously we're looking forward. We have to remember we've got players to come back. I think Hadji will be a key player next season if he can come back to full fitness. But I do think that we're still a little bit behind Celtic just now because. I'm looking at our midfield and I think when I compare it to Celtic, Celtic's is quite a youthful looking midfield, you know. Um, even though Cal McGregor incredibly experienced and is a good captain, but isn't particularly old. When I look at ours, and it's with the greatest respect to these guys, you know, Stephen Davis is a terrific servant to the club. Scott Arfield has been brilliant as well, but I don't think you want to see them lining up every week in that midfield. So I would like to see us bring in another midfielder to pad it a bit more and get a bit more youth 
into it. Um, Is that something you'd go along with, Mark? Yeah, I'd, I agree with Craig in terms of Arfield and Davis and guys like that. Great servants, still good players, but um, you need to move things on a bit. You know, I think we're starting to see the kind of break up of that Stephen Gerrard era, um, and I think it's not before time. You know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago that Rangers team that kept getting wheeled out game after game was more or less the same for two to three years. So you need to kind of revitalise things, and I think you're starting to see. You know, bits of that now with the signings this week. It, it needs to be more Van Bronckers team than what was in the past. And I, I think they're getting there now. Well, thank you to Craig. Give us a call now. 0141951 1025. 0141951 This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Wilson here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141951 on the phones. And the league season really is approaching quickly. I think we're back to the two hour shows in about 10 days yes. or something like that back to beat the pundit uh, what, I'm d- not saying yes because I don't love you but enjoying my time with you immensely that's alright it's fine I'll, I'll be out of the grounds enjoying up. myself it's okay I'll only have a single tear running down ah, my face see you get out and about in the sunshine exactly we well, the, the one month of sun that's been optimistic but yeah. see from what September onwards yeah freezing I, you know what I do love Listen to Saturday when you guys are reading the winds howling down the mic. Enjoy that, but we're jealous of you in the summer. Beat the pundit will be back as well. You're looking forward to that. I am. Listen, I was good. I was all right. Beat the pundit. I think my table. I'm happy with that. I see, th- see when I first came on this show, I honestly so nervous about beat the pundit, and I was awful. And I've managed to rise to mid-table, so that's good enough for me. I know why you're not quite at the level of Roger Hanna and Andy Halliday. I know why they've got a sort of one-up on you. Well, and what you should. Well, they, they've got job. they've got all this sort of niche knowledge about football, and I've now found out as of today what yeah. your niche knowledge is about because what? someone randomly in the office mentioned the cheeky girls earlier on, <laughs> and you were able to tell us exactly <laughs> what they are up to right now <laughs> with no prior warning. You're like, oh yeah, they, uh, they work in car sales coming. now. They, yeah. You said they work in car sales now. Someone uh, googled it, and that is genuinely <laughs> the case. Why do you know that? Why are you looking up the uh, cheeky girls? Then they see you bring that. Up, but I thought what we speak in the office is secret. Well, Dad, Alison just kept abreast of her career. I was a big fan back in the day when they broke onto the scene, and sure enough, neither. Aye, they sell cars. Do you want to give us a wee rendition of one no, of those? No, thanks. No, no, no. Well, what do you mean, one of their songs? They only had one. Did they? I, I would have thought, oh, you'll Did know, they? to be fair, you'll know. Well, I don't know. Girl song. You'll have their discography <laughs> sorted in your head, you'll have all the CDs. Single. You'll have been ah, at some big fans. I think they were free. from. You, you know, something. don't pretend you don't know. You know everything. Anyway, nonsense, right? Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Brian is a Celtic fan. Up next, Brian, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I just like to speak about obviously Celtics in the Champions League um, this season, and um, I've been watching Celtic for a long, long time, guys. And some of my most enjoyable uh, games I've watched is back when like Mark Wilson was playing uh, in the oh, Champions thanks, League Brian. for Celtic. <laughs> um, got to like last them, no. a of things. Mark? I says I was on the bench for most of them. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like, we got to the knockout stages a good couple of times, and just uh, like, some of the performances against some of the bigger teams in Europe and that were great at the time. Um, but that seems to like the last few years, guys. That seems to have kind of disappeared. Like, so we obviously all know that Celtic need to be a lot harder to beat in Europe and stuff. Like they're conceding goals. Uh, in my opinion, uh, like a lot and that and stuff in Europe. So I just wanted to ask Mark, like, what he thinks Celtic need 
uh, in order to like, start being a decent competitive force in Europe again. Well, Brian, I, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, we we did compete um, at a very high level, probably you know overachieved with our group. And I've heard the argument that because of money and uh, there's such a vast gap between Celtic and Rangers and the big teams now that they can't compete. Well, it was the same, you know. Where's what was it? Quite the same, though, is well, it not? Why would why even, was it not? But the quality but players at, still the same. You look at the transfer fees that have been banded about, just compared to the transfer fees. The transfer fees up in Scotland haven't really changed too much. The but, clubs aren't dealing in massive fees, whereas down south, there's players going for. 80, 100, more than that but million. It doesn't matter if you're playing against Ronaldinho, Messi and Henri back in 2007 and eight. Mm-hmm. then it's the same player, you know what I mean? It's the same standard of player. Because they're worth 200 million quid now, doesn't mean they're any better than Ronaldinho and Messi were back then. So, look, we were hard to beat. We we knew what we were we were good at we we didn't have much flair. You had McGeady and you had Nakamura and that I could pull a rabbit out of the hat. But the rest is were kind of workman like I I think the Celtic team are fabulous going forward. You know, so dynamic, so exciting. But if Brian's asking what Celtic need to compete, it's like what I was saying earlier on the show. I think they need someone in the big European games to sit in there with McGregor who can shore up that defence. Now that means sacrificing somebody. And I wonder. I just wonder, Vance Postecoglou is willing to do that to make minor changes. Said earlier, no major changes, just minor ones to be more difficult to be unless open when the opposition are in possession. Brian, yeah, I totally agree with Mark. I just, I just look at all the kind of bigger teams across Europe and that as well, Mark. And like Real Madrid got Casemiro, like Liverpool's got your. Yeah, you're, you're kind of um, you're holding midfielders as well, like Jordan Henderson and that. I mean, it just seems to be like that's what Celtic's been missing for a good few years ever since the one Yama go. I've never really replaced that guy, and um, like some of the other players that we're talking about as well. Whenever Celtic or Rangers get like one of these decent players, they just seem to let them go on the cheap. In my opinion, Brian, I mean, is Callum McGregor just not that player for you? I mean, he was one of Celtic's best players easily last season. He was playing in that position all of last season, but. Is he not the player you would want playing in that position in the Champions League group stages? I think everybody knows Callum McGregor's fabulous. He's absolutely he's probably our best player, but um, I think he's better suited being a little bit further forward. I mean, he's, he's workman-like. He's a good passer of the ball and all that, but he's probably his best attribute. He's been a, a more creative. But we're really needing somebody that's kind of like like a, just a, a midfield, like, do you know what I mean? A wrecking ball like a Juan Yamars. Somebody... Somebody a kind of a spoiler, that. you know, someone in there that can break up the play. Who, Brian, I agree. Who, who may not, who probably won't be as talented as McGregor on the ball, or who can keep it or take it in tight areas, but someone who knows where and when to be. Now that's a knack, you know, a, a, a being that kind of player, that holding midfielder who always seems to turn up in the right place at the right time. That's that's an act, and I think that's missing for sale. I think McGregor does a great job at the holding midfielder because he starts play. And he gets everything ticking, but he needs someone to help him defensively. Is that the key area then in this transfer window for you, Brian? Yeah, I think it's been the key area for about ten years, though, guys. But but just uh, we never seem to get it right. Like when near Buton there for a few years, but near Buton was kind of hitting a miss. Some games he was kind of good, and other games he wasn't. And then they tried him in centre half for a wee while just to plug holes. But I think I needed somebody to come in to kind of. Um, replace Scott Brown kind of like on a regular basis just to kind of sit there and let the other guys who can play football like your McGregor's and like these Japanese players and that do, do their stuff going a bit further forward on the pitch do you know what I mean and I, I think Mark would probably agree with that 
I would. Uh, listen, I think it's glaring there. I, I, especially when you go back to the European games and you saw when you lose the ball in, in those big games and those arenas with that quality player, when you're wide open, those players need a split second to see where the space is and they've got players that can play that pass. Scotland, not being disrespectful, but you kind of get away with it, right? You, you kind of get enough time to recover. European stage, you don't. And that's why Celtic, you know, came up well short last season. Vance Postacoglu is going for the big one in that Champions League. He's going to need someone in there to make sure that they're switched on. And I'll go back to it. Help Callum McGregor in that position because he'll not get dropped, obviously. We've seen Celtic linked with defensive midfielders and more attacking midfielders in this window. Do you think it's one or the other Celtic will be going for this window? Could you see both? I could see both. I don't I don't see any reason why it shouldn't uh, be both. If you've lost Rogic at one side of the pitch and you've lost Beaton, who, who was a backup and who could play in there, then you've got to replace those. I don't think McCarthy's at. Um, Adiguchi look, remains to be seen Might have a brilliant pre-season And at the start of the season He might be the man But I've just not seen enough of him To judge that But I think Postacol will be well aware What he needs in those positions Because they're big voids That need filled Well, Thank you to Brian That's all we've got time for In terms of calls tonight Didn't even really get a chance To touch on the, the League Cup matches That took place last night There were a few interesting ones Aberdeen were winners last night There was a draw between Kilmarnock and Partick Thistle as well That went to that sort of shootout bonus point penalty shootout that Partick Thistle won but plenty of action to come in the League Cup this weekend we'll be bringing you the build up and all the transfer news tomorrow night I'll be back in the studio with Jim Duffy but thank you for all your calls thank you for your tweets thank you to Mark Wilson in the studio enjoy your trip to the Cheeky Girls gig tonight <laughs> and stick thank around you. tonight because it is Callum Gallagher that's up next <laughs>